Praise the Lord. Well, we're grateful. What a powerful time we had Friday night and uh, just the time of prayer and intercession for Israel. I'm so thankful for all of those that God has uh, given them a revelation and they have a burden for the salvation of the Jewish people. And uh, that's going to be our prayer. You know, in Romans chapter 11, verse 25, it says that there is a mystery surrounding Israel. And a mystery is a mystery until it's revealed. And so God is revealing much in this hour, and um, I'm grateful for all the people in the past, like Casper Ten Boom. Now, he's the one that, you know, they hid the Jews during the Holocaust, and, uh, but he was warned as to what could happen if he stayed the course hiding Jews in his own home. And he said, well, it would be a great honor for me to give my life for God's ancient people, God's chosen people. And um, he was arrested 10 days. Um, No, he went into prison, and 10 days after prison, he died. And uh, so anyway, we're very grateful. Did you know this? This is is God. I did not know this, but there was a recent archaeological discovery. How many of you knew that? What it was, it was Joshua's altar. It was in a script. It was on there. It was a written writing on Joshua's altar. They discovered it on Mount Ebal. Now, you remember there was Mount Ebal, which represented what? The curses. Mount Gerizim represented the blessings. And God sent his people there to see that there would be a difference. On Mount Ebal, you would be cursed. If you disobeyed the words of God, you would come under a curse. But if you obeyed God, you would come under the blessing. They found that plaque on Mount Ebal. This is what it said, exactly what the Scripture said. It's written. You can find this online. Cursed, cursed, cursed. Cursed be by God, Yahweh, you will die cursed. Cursed, you shall surely die. Cursed by Yahweh. Cursed, cursed, cursed. And this speaks really to all the nations. That was on Mount Ebal. And we want to walk on Mount Gerizim under the blessing of God. You know, it is a mystery. Uh, John chapter 1 says, we know that he came to his own and his own received him not. But as many as received him, he gave them the right to become children of God, even to those who believe on his name. And you know, there really is an ongoing holocaust in this hour. You know what that is, don't you? It's... Jewish, regardless of whatever nation you're from, if you leave into eternity without knowing Christ Jesus, then that's the worst Holocaust known in all of history because there's only one way into the Father, and that's through Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And anyway, the scripture I wanted to remind you for, it says in in Romans, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. Say salvation. For everyone who believes. For the Jew first, the gospel went first to the Jew, but also for the Greek and every nation. For in it, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. And uh, we're living in a wonderful, exciting time. Say it's exciting. And here's this verse I ran across. If heaven above can be measured and the foundations of the earth searched out beneath, I 
will also cast off all the seed of Israel for all that they have done. How many of you know there's no way you could measure heaven and all the foundations of the earth? Well, let's just pray. Some of you are looking at me a little bit different, wondering where I'm coming from. I'm a preacher of the gospel. America and the world's hope, Israel's hope, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Nothing else. And uh, so I'm going to proclaim it. Oh, wow, good to see you guys, our friends from Texas, guys hadn't seen in a while. It's always good to see family when they come back together. Well, Lord, thank you for this wonderful morning. Thank you that you've called us here. You've called us to the earth for such a time as this. Lord, we didn't choose you. You chose us. Everyone in this room, they are, they've been made worthy of that calling because of the blood of Jesus. No other way to salvation. It is only through Christ Jesus. And Lord, we just thank you. We commit this morning to you. And Lord, I believe that this is to be a day like no other. I believe there's to be an impartation. There's to be a stirring Lord, I'm just going to proclaim the word you've given me, but I pray let this be a catalyst to ignite a fire that would spread far and wide. And God, do it for your name's sake because you're worthy of all of our praise in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Well, you want to go back, happy Mother's Day. You know, I love that picture. How many of you are grateful for your moms and... um, Oh, mothers, they always think about the scripture in 1 Timothy, you know, where Timothy, no, Paul was honoring Timothy. He was recognizing the faith in Timothy that also was in his grandmother and in his mother, Lois, you know, and those guys. And uh, so anyway, we just want to thank God. My mom was a godly mom. Not everybody had godly moms. And, uh, but I had not only a godly mom, I had a godly spiritual mom. How many of you had spiritual moms? How many of you have some now that impacted your life? We thank God. Appreciate all the matriarchs of the faith. We got some of those in this room, and I'm grateful. And, uh, but, you know, Shirley and I pastored in West Virginia about 12 to 15 miles from where Mother's Day first began. And they have a plaque, and I used to drive by on the way to Grafton, and I would read that plaque about Annis Jarvis. And they had the first Mother's Day in that church. Remember that old church, Shirley, just off to the side of the road? There's not that much special to it. But anyway, she wanted to honor her mother. It was held on May the 10th, 1908. And then it was six to eight years or so after that, that uh, President Wilson, you know, made a decree that it, the second Sunday in May would be Mother's Day. And then, but we know it also actually began in the UK in the 1600s. They called it Mothering Sunday, and that's the day you would go back to the Mothering Church. And then they, you know, it kind of evolved and became Mother's Day. I didn't know this, but Anna Jarvis went before Congress, is what I was told. I didn't have time to look it up. I'm just going by what was told. We were on TV the other night. And uh, this lady spoke up and said she went before Congress and asked them to remove it because it had become so quickly commercialized, commercialized. I didn't know that, but I thank God for Mother's Day. And to me, it just shows the, the foundations of the faith of our nation, that even Mother's Day is a result of godly women, a godly woman who, had, who wanted to honor her mother to honor the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And uh, so we're so grateful for all the traditions. I know they're stripping them down every day, the foundations. I think about Psalm 11 like you do. What can the righteous do when the foundations are are destroyed? What can the righteous do? Well, the key in that verse is what can the righteous do? You can do something. First of all, be righteous. You know, don't, don't take... They want to strip everything. You just stand firm upon that which you believed in. That's who you've known. And uh, just say, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Does that make sense? We're not going to back off in this hour. Actually, I like this better. Whatever happened to my computer? It's like the Holy Ghost fixed it. Now I can see the next slide before it gets there, and you see the slide you're supposed to see. How did you do that? I don't know. I didn't even know you could do that. That's pretty cool. Well, thank you, Holy Spirit. I don't know who fixed that, but that's pretty neat. So anyway, you learn things all the time. This is part two of a message that we began a few weeks ago on the harvest. And I believe it's a very timely word. And because I believe that God is doing something in this hour to bring to pass what this topic is all about. God's finished and his finishing work. And I know there was a work that he finished, but there is a finishing work that's going to happen that that is that includes you and me. Say I'm I'm a part of it. You got to be involved. You got to get in on it pretty quick because it's just vital that you do that. And um, there we are. Oh, let's back up again. All right. Say you got it. Now, this is just review. Remember, we talked about Amsterdam 2023. It's next month in June. And it's a great gathering where people will gather from all over the world, evangelists and such. And I told you the story. I won't go back because I almost missed it because I left my passport in my hometown, which is 30 miles from the airport. And I had flown from that town to Pittsburgh in any way the pilot of the flight from Pittsburgh to Philippi, West Virginia, no, Clarksburg, you know, asked me about my passport, and I'm reaching, looking in my pocket, and remember, I shared passport. You mean I need a passport? And anyway, they had to break in my trailer. That wasn't very hard to do. All you do is push the door in, <laughs> and, you know, they, and, and Eve Wickheiser went into my bedroom, got the passport, drove quickly 30 miles to Clarksburg, Brian was flying back from, he had the route from Pittsburgh to Clarksburg. She ran, gave him my, my passport. He had to wait for the passengers to get on the plane, flew to Pittsburgh. They must have held the flight up for me because somehow Brian got there, ran through the airport, ran and handed me off my passport right before they closed the doors. I got on the plane from Pittsburgh to New York, and it was a miracle because the Billy Graham Evangelic Association paid my way. I was one of the ones representing America, but that was 37 years ago. So anyway, I'm putting all this together. They're having another one to represent the 40th anniversary, which was three years before I went. But anyway, and then I told you about Rick Joyner's book. It was just after that that someone gave me a pamphlet by Rick Joyner. It was my first introduction to Rick and on the harvest. And I shared with you how my heart was burning because I wanted to be a part. This is something that's been in my heart all my life. 
And anyway, that was pretty neat. And then Bob Jones, who was born, no, he was born, I don't know where he was born. He's, he's buried about, what, 200 yards from right here over to my right. And he had this vision of a billion so harvest. So you caught up on all that. Remember, we talked about that. And that's why we're here. Say, that's why I'm here. Now, remember in um, the Gospel of John, Jesus, he needed to go through Samaria. And uh, we talked about how there's some things you and I need to go through. There are experiences that we go through in order to get us to the place where God wants us to be so that we could fulfill what God's called us to do. Many of us would avoid some of those places that we have to go through. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I would avoid all pain if I had a choice. Pain is pain. I'm not really that, uh, I'm not that you know, eager to jump into pain. But anyway, we, we get into the kingdom, we press into the kingdom through much tribulation. And so sometimes there's a little pain involved in taking up our cross. We always remind people, you know what denying or dying to yourself will do to you? It'll kill you. It'll just flat out kill you, wreck your plans, mess you up all that you thought you would be because what he has for you is far greater. So anyway, he went through Samaria and Jesus said, you know, there's a um, conversation. He meets the woman at the well and, uh, but Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So she's shocked that uh, Jesus would even speak to her because she's a part of a half breed, you know, people. And anyway, Jesus said she's wondering, and, he, and Jesus said, if you'd known the gift of God and who it was who was asking you for a drink, he's asking for a drink because he's thirsty, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Say living water. And we know that the water that he gives, he said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again from the well. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And uh, do you think she wanted that water? And, uh, you know, then it came to where she went around and she said, come and tell me a man who told me all things that I'd ever done. And all he did was ask her to go fetch your husband. And she said, I don't have a husband. No, he said, no, you got five. And the one you're with now, not even you're a real husband. But anyway, he just begins to read her story. And then over in John chapter 4, verse 34, Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Now, did he finish it at the cross? Did he? He said, it is finished. And yet, there's more to this story. What more? We'll get there. He said, do you not say there's still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. So anyway, there's more. So let's just review really quickly how the Bible defines the harvest. So this is, how many of you were here two weeks ago? How many of you remember what we talked about two weeks ago? Some of you do, some of you don't. And anyway, you need to remember. Your mind is quick to forget. But we were looking at 
how the Bible defines a harvest. Number one, it is the reaping of all that has been sown, both good and evil. Remember that. Now, that which we've sown, which is good, there's a harvest. If you sow prayer, righteousness, you're spending time in the Word of God, sharing your faith, just the things that you sow that are righteous, don't you think it's going to bear fruit? You know, you're sharing your faith. It's just going to bear fruit. But also, the opposite is true. And then we saw the Scripture over in Galatians that reminds us that uh, do not be deceived. And we looked at different ways to be deceived, but God is not mocked. Now, the word mocked, does anybody remember what it means? It means to lift up your nose. Do you think there are any today that are like lifting up their nose and ignoring the word of the Lord? That's happening all over the land, but I think it happens in churches today. You know that we're supposed to proclaim his word as if you're proclaiming the very oracles of God. So what should happen is we should listen as if we're listening to the very oracles of God, especially if the word of God is being proclaimed. Because I believe that old, who was it, St. Augustine, he said, when the scriptures are preached, you know, the word of God is being proclaimed. And I believe that. It is the very word of God. So he said, do not be mocked. For whatever a man or a nation, say a nation, whatever nation, this is a biblical principle, sows that he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary. And so that's the encouragement. Don't grow weary in well-doing, for you're going to reap if you do not what? If you don't lose heart, if you don't faint. There's going to be great temptation in this hour to lose heart. Say, I'm not going to lose heart. Now, last week when Bobby was here, it's wonderful when Bobby was here. It's always wonderful to me. I just so thank God that we get to be a part of these schools. And we're going to do a great school of evangelism coming up the 1st of September. And Bobby will be a part and Charlie and uh, maybe Chris. I don't know, but... I want to. I want to be. I want to. I want people to be engaged. So anyway, we'll get to that later. It's an exciting time. But I shared last Sunday that there were three, and I don't know if you heard the words I used. Three extinction level events that would happen over the next twenty something days. All of those events that I was referring to today are much worse than they were last Sunday. And one of them is, you know, the borders are wide open. If you haven't noticed, we're being invaded. It's not going to happen. It is happening. There's an invasion taking place. I think it's been happening. It's just now it's at a degree that we, most people could not believe. They're overwhelmed, so they just turn it off, hoping it all goes away. I read a scripture like that this week out of the book of Jeremiah, where the people literally thought, God, just make it all go away. And God was so, I'm not saying he was offended, but the anger of the Lord burned in his heart. And you know what he took away? He took away from the people that were living in sin that refused to repent, his own people, the ability to defend themselves. He didn't take away the enemies that were approaching. He took away their ability to stop the enemies from approaching. I read this stuff and I say, God, it must be there for a reason. 
But anyway, they told me, because I try not to look at this very much, but they said the man in the White House, they were asking him questions about the invasion at the border, and he just got up and walked out, but he had a smirk on his face. Now, you could get angry if you think your battle is against flesh and blood, but we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. Now, I know the Scripture says when the wicked rule, the people moan. But when the righteous are in authority, the people will rejoice. I understand that. But I know that we're not fighting against flesh and blood. It was almost as if the demonic was making that smirk at the American people. And I was thinking, Lord, how would that be? How would the demonic be laughing? And the only thing I could think of is they have a legal right because of the sin in the land. Now, what am I talking about? Do you know the Scripture says in Psalm 127.1, Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. If he's not guarding the city, the watchmen can do no good. They'll have no effect. But if God is watching it, then no enemy will be able to penetrate the borders. God is the one that is sovereign, not the devil. And as you read all through the Bible, and I've been reading a whole bunch of the Bible lately, I'm just telling you, We got it mostly wrong in the church in America. The problem is not the devil. Now he's a problem and we're going to resist him and we draw near to God and resist the devil. But first you got to draw near to God. The the greatest issue is God in this hour. He's the one that opens the doors. And he's the one that can close them. And we know what the answer is. Look at the scripture. I ran across this this week. You know, reading the Bible is dangerous. I'm just telling you. I walked into this television program the other night in Greensboro. And, and anyway, I just made a statement to the pastors before we went on the air. I said, you know, it's really serious out there. And man, we need God. Boy, we need God like we've never needed him before. And one pastor spoke up. Oh, everything, you know, God is... God is in control. God is good. And I said, well, that's all good unless you've been reading the Bible. Because he is good. I'm not disagreeing. God is good. But he's God. He's also God. Anyway, that started off really good, and we hit, it was a great program. No, it actually got way better. Cause, but anyway, look at this. God told his people, Israel. Whatever was written beforehand was written for our example on whom the ends of the ages have come. Now, why do you cry aloud about your affliction? Your sorrow is incurable because of the multitude of your iniquities. Because your sins have increased, I have done these things to you. I just thought that was a major scripture. Now, you know what the answer is, don't you? What's the answer? It's repentance. It's turning back. This morning, I have to read in the morning and sometime during the day and in the evening if I'm going to get all that I need to read. And I'm going to get it read. I'm going to stay faithful. And anyway, I read this morning, and the Lord was trying to get his people's attention. So he sent these prophets rising up early, and they would run declaring the word of the Lord. Most of the time, they didn't want to hear what the prophets had to say. 
but so that they would hear of all the adversities that would come. The prophets were not, the false prophets were those who proclaimed a message of peace and safety. The real prophets prophesied what the word of the Lord said regarding the wrath of God against the rebellion of God's people. And they would declare, thus saith the Lord. And so they would hear the word because of their sin. And the goal was to turn back from their own ways to him who was the way. And he would forgive and deliver and heal their land. So first of all, I wanted to review that first point. I know you're saying, well, you didn't say all that the first time. I want to say it the second time. The answer is repentance in America again. And then the second thing, the harvest, I'll go quicker because I want to get to the last few. The harvest is a marker. It's a sign for the end of the age. Remember the scripture we read over in Matthew chapter 13. But he said the harvest, the end of the age, and we see that the tares for a season are going to be those who shine on planet earth. Remember that. How many of you remember that? It says, when the tares appear, and the word appear means to shine. So for a season, the tares will shine. It will look like the tares are in charge. But it will only be for a a certain amount of time. Then God is going to send forth the reaper angels. And we talked about that. And they're going to gather out of his kingdom all things that offend He'll gather together the tares and bundles to burn them in the fire. He'll gather his wheat together in barns such as like this and barns all over the earth. But then it says, and then the righteous will shine. And so we're going to shine. We're going to see the glory of the Lord. Remember what Daniel 12 says, there'll be a time of trouble such as never been since there was a nation. But the wise, say the wise. Now, who are the wise? Well, one thing we know, the wise are those who win souls. That's what the scripture says. The wise will shine like the brightness of the firmament and those who turn many to righteousness, like the stars forever and ever. So anyway, and then the next thing, the harvest will bring about a final separation, the wheat from the tares, the sheep from the goat. We mentioned all these things, the righteous from the wicked, The left from the right, those who are for him from those who are against him, the ultimate issue is Jesus Christ. That's it. He's the one mediator between God and men. There is no other mediator. It's Christ Jesus. The cross was an absolute necessity for the salvation of any individual on planet earth. You must go by way of the cross. There's no other way. There's no other route. Every other route is a false doctrine. The answer is Jesus. How many of you know that? He's the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. And no man or no nation will come to him by any other way but through the cross. The blood of Jesus had to be shed. And that's the ultimate. That's the sacrifice that gets us into heaven because of the gift of God's grace. Does anybody say amen? Does that make sense? So anyway, all the the things that will separate those who serve me from those who really did not. They served a doctrine. They served an ideology. They served themselves. Remember over, is it in Haggai, everyone was building their own thing while the kingdom was being left desolate. Everyone was building their own kingdom. 
In that day, you will know those who built their kingdom from those who were investing their lives in the kingdom of God. Because there's only one, going to be one kingdom left amidst all the shaking. And it won't be man's. It won't be mine. It's not going to be ours. It's going to be the kingdom of God. You are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. And then those who are sent from those who were went. And then this one that you and I need to know. How many of you know we need to know these things? There's going to be a separation between the family of God and the synagogue of Satan. And that one is going to take center stage in the days in which are to come. And then the harvest will occur at a time of much tribulation or turbulence and death. And I'm not going to go back, but we looked at the scriptures in Joshua chapter 3. And the Jordan overflows all it banks during the time of the harvest. And we looked at what the Jordan represents. It was turbulent storms. Remember that old song we used to sing, on Jordan's stormy banks I stand. I cast a wishful eye who, who will come and go with me. I can't believe I can remember that song, probably because we sung it many times as little kids. But I'm bound for the promised land. How many of you are bound for the promised land? I thank God for those songs we used to sing. And uh, some of them, they stayed with us for all of our lives. But we know it's the passing into death. But also, if you've seen John's picture out there in the foyer, we're also passing into the promises of God. Long-spoken, awaited promises are going to be fulfilled in the hours in which we live. We're going to walk out things that have been spoken over our lives. How many of you believe that? Man, what did God say these things to us for? For his entertainment? No, because it's real. And all the promises of God are yes and amen. We're of a different tribe, a different agenda. And then the harvest is appointed and often comes at unexpected times. And, um, oh, Judah, here's a scripture. A harvest is appointed for you and that I shared with you. Now, this is where we ended up. I'm going to just tell you something else and then go quickly and finish it up. But I share with you how we live. Now, this is, again, how God moves. We lived in Mobile, Alabama, where they had the Jubilee phenomena. How many of you remember I told you about it? It's one of two places on the planet. The other is Tokyo Bay in Japan. The other, and where we were, Mobile Bay, used to be called the Bay of the Holy Spirit when it was under the Spanish flag. And anyway, there's a phenomena that happens rarely, but... It's where the fish literally jump out of the water. And uh, Linda looked it up and got a little more information. And I knew this, but she stirred it up. So I thought as we go back over today, what we need to know is that somehow the winds are blowing over the bay, the bay of the Holy Spirit, the wind, the wind. And that means a lot to me. It's when the wind begins to blow. But these winds are a little different, but it causes the fish to get into the shallow parts of the bay where they begin to panic because they can't get enough oxygen. You know, they, they can't breathe. Well, not oxygen, whatever they breathe. What do fish breathe? They breathe oxygen. They get it out of the water. But anyway, of course, I knew that. Thank you for Shirley for bailing me out of that. What else would be under the water? You ever tried to breathe under the water? It doesn't work for us. 
but it works for them. And so they get pushed into these shallow waters because of the winds. And it happens in the morning after the darkness. And that the fish are panicked. There's nowhere else to go. There's nowhere to turn. So they start leaping out of the water. And the fishermen that are ready, they've got their buckets. They bring in a great jubilee harvest. So what does that tell us? It tells us we have to be ready. Have our buckets, our nets, get our nets, strengthen, build them, get ready. And anyway, it's going to be a wonderful time. You must be ready and in position. Now is your appointed time. Today is the day of salvation. So now we're going to move into part two. Are you guys with me? So we'll go really quick. Now back to John 4, verse 34. The scripture there. Jesus said, do not say there's still four months. And often in my life, I'm always hearing a word about the coming harvest. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's always about what's to come. It's about what you're going to be. Well, what if you don't live another day? What you were told you were going to be, you had better been right while you were, while you had a chance. Because you might have not had a chance to be what they say you would be. So just be today all that God's called you to be and let tomorrow take care of itself. Does that make sense? Anyway, that um, makes a lot of sense to me. So he said, behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already white for harvest. So the harvest is ripe and it's ready right now. Say right now. Now, what are some of the reasons the harvest is ready? Number one, because Jesus said it was so. And I believe what he said over what many man or woman has to say. Do you remember in Hebrews, he spoke about the prophets, and it doesn't mean we disallow prophets. We want prophecy, but we want to hear Jesus, the prophet, through the prophecy, right? Because he said in times past, I've spoken through all the prophets referring to the Old Testament, but in this hour, I've spoken through my son, hear him. We want to hear Jesus. What does Jesus have to say? And so this is what he had to say. And then secondly, because it's a basic human need for something to fill the void that all of us have. And I believe what was often spoken by many, that God created us with a void inside of us that only he himself can fill. That's why we spend our lives and nothing really satisfies us. One thing, we're only passing through this life, but the other thing is there's nothing that can satisfy us until we've come into a relationship with our Creator. And we only do that through Jesus Christ coming to Him, making Him the Lord of our life. And uh, so, and then the third thing is, is because of the desperation of the hour. There are no other answers. Some of you know there's just no other answers. And then because of the overwhelming love of God. We got to keep trumpeting. Now, all through the Old Testament, they would discover the books and they'd start reading just a little bit. And then they would, out of a fear of God, they would run to Him and repent, and God would restore. There'd be forgiveness, restoration. Then they would forget. Then they'd go back. Then they needed to be reminded that God is a God of love, but He's a God of discipline, and you have to come His way. And so you have to. You have to do it that way, but still, God is a God of love. And God so loves the world that none should perish. And we're not going to give up on that message. And then because it's his will, the next thing, that none should perish. Now, this is where it gets good. 
If it hadn't been good, forgive me. But this is going to be good. Because I find things. Now, when you've been around a while, you'll find things that you hadn't seen in a long time. Stuff that you thought you threw away, it's still, in your, it's still there. But this one I'm glad I didn't throw away. It was by Michael Brown, Dr. Michael Brown, in 1993. 30 years ago. He wrote this. I'm looking at it this week, saying, God, this is an hour. This, he could have spoken this about today. So let's listen to this before you draw to any conclusions. 30 years ago, the Church of America must come to a difficult conclusion. We must face the hard, cold facts. It's too late for our nation. 30 years ago, too late for moral reform, too late for a social transformation. Too late for a return to the good old days unless, but God, masses of sinners get saved. Otherwise, there's no hope. For too long, we have sought to make ungodly people godly without converting them from their sin. We've tried to make immoral people moral through words and actions and votes, but it won't work. It can't work. Those who are accustomed to evil cannot do good unless the Lord grants them a new heart. Remember, Jesus said, a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. So we must go after the souls of lost men and women. And that's what the church is called to do. For years, we put our trust in the government. We hoped that the president would hold the line. 30 years ago, he said that, that the right appointees to the Supreme Court would help stem the flood, and maybe they did for a short time, that a politically active church would turn the nation back to him. But we've been misled. We have put our confidence in the flesh. In our fight for religious rights, we have suddenly confessed, in man do we trust, but government cannot save us. Only Jesus Christ can save, and he must be our message. It's part of the message of the church, he said. Yes, we expose the sinner's sin, and we tell them there's a remedy. We show him his guilt, and we point him to the only door of hope. Make him to see that he is lost, and then tell him how he can be saved. But don't expect him to see the light or accept your standards unless his soul has been converted. He said, now, 30 years ago, if we don't now, things will only get worse and worse and worse. There will be no moral force to restrain the wickedness, no voice of conscience to slow the increase of perversion, no upward trend to resist the slide down. We can still save lives by our sacrificial actions, We're obligated to warn sinners of the coming judgment so they will have no excuse. And if we do not exercise our God-given rights, then we will have no one to blame when they all disappear, when the government declares the gospel forbidden. Reading the Bible is forbidden even in your homes. No, if we do not stand today, we will cower and cringe tomorrow. This was written 30 years ago. I've been um, recommitting my life to some things. And anyway, it was Friday. I was going to um, pick up 
some flyers that we had made. And there was a man laying on the bench there between the Mexican restaurant and the place where I'm going to pick up the flowers. And I just felt the Holy Spirit said, him. You, ever, you know what I mean? Him, her, didn't matter. I was going to wake him up. I woke him up. And he looked really mean. <laughs> he looked really mean. And he looked at me with some mean eyes. And, and I noticed a pentagram carved on the side or written it in, on the side of his skull there, which told me this man's probably in a gang. He's a Mexican. He's probably, uh, there's some things going on here. So anyway, I just began to share with him. And his eyes of rage somehow began to weep tears of conviction. And I began to share with him the gospel. And I said, Ian, would you like right now to receive Jesus into your heart? And he said, yes. He was lost, lonely, part of, a, I think, possibly a part of a gang. What else would that mean? It means he was marked by Satan. And he would have been up to no good. And anyway, he responds and we pray. He receives Jesus. He prayed out loud to receive Jesus. And then um, after I said, Ian, you need to go tell people. And I gave him my number. Call us. I know he didn't live. He's not from Wilkesboro. He said, my uncle is a preacher. I said, well, you get to go tell your uncle what God has done for you. And anyway, it's time, it's time to share. It's God's will that none should perish. That's our testimony. Not everyone is going to be responsive. But remember what First or Second Peter said, that there will be mockers in the last days, and they'll say, where is the promise of his coming? You believers have been saying he's going to come for all these years, and everything is remaining the same, it's actually getting worse and worse in the world. And you're going to remind them, just like remember Noah, as in the days of Noah, who built the ark for 100 years, and yet he kept preaching righteousness, that there would come a day when God would flood the world again, but not with water, this time with fire, but that it's God's will that none should perish, and that all would come to repentance. And so I thank God we're going to keep doing it. And then the next thing, the harvest is great. It is huge. I'm not going to give up on that. I don't care. I don't care how dark it gets. This harvest is huge. Huge. How do you know that? Well, Jesus said it is great. I should have looked up the Greek meaning for great, but it probably means great. Huge. Amazing. Psalm 60, even in the days of great darkness, as we arise, I know the glory of the Lord will arise upon you, but as we then arise, arise and shine, it says Gentiles will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around the sea. They all gather together, the gathering, and they come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall nurse at your side. Your heart shall swell with joy because of the abundance of sea, the sea of humanity, which shall be turned to you. And you direct them to him. And then in Matthew um, Chapter 9, not only is it huge, but the harvest is his. Remember, he's the one that leaves the 99, and he runs after the one. 
Ian was the one that hour, I can promise you. And, but there are many ones. Now, this week I also did something. I watched a little bit of a Billy Graham classic. You guys you ever do that, the classics? How many of you do from time to time? They're on, and so I'm watching. Now, you see if this is, you, you check it out, but they give the invitation. Billy Graham says, now, if you are with a group, you've come in a bus, they'll wait, you know, and you know it's the, the famous saying, so they're all coming forward. But I was looking at their faces on television. Most of them, they, they showed no emotion. They're, they were like stoic, and they just were walking forward, almost like zombies. I'm just, run, just walking forward. And I thought, God, there's no emotion. I mean, some of them were smiling, but most of them weren't. You, you check it out. Now, now, I know the statistics are that not all of them were truly converted, but a lot of them were. It's just they showed no emotion. And it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I said, God, if in that day, when was that, the 60s maybe? The people would come to you with absolutely the show of no emotion. Lord, what's keeping them from coming today? The same Holy Spirit that convicted them and drew them in that hour, it's the same Holy Spirit that's with us now. Same convicting power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm believing God's going to do it again. Because it's his heart. He's the Lord of the harvest. He is more concerned with the harvest than you and I. And we're going to proclaim that message of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19. That God was in Christ. Say, God was in Christ. Reconciling the world to himself. Not imputing their trespasses unto them. And it's committed to us the word of reconciliation. And then it says in verse 20, now therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. You got to look at yourself. You're not just some, listen, mealy passing through, waiting to get out of here. You are an ambassador of the most high God. You're an ambassador of Christ as though God were pleading through you. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And uh, Listen, we got to do it like we've never done it before. Reconcile means to remove the offense. People's offense can be removed. You know, I, they tell us today, I don't know if I got to that. There it is. It was next. They tell us America is at war with God. I would agree 125%. And I see the evidence of that. Men and women today have their hands Many of those who lead our nation with their, their fists held up to heaven in absolute, not only rebellion, but blasphemy like we've never known on planet earth before. But the truth is we're all at war with God before we come to Christ. It's our sin that caused enmity, that caused us to be enemies of God. We're all at war. Everyone in America is at war with God until you surrender to Jesus Christ. Every nation is at war with God until they've come to the throne. They've come to Christ on the cross. Does that make sense? That's our message, guys. It's the glorious end-time message, the gospel of the kingdom of God, that there's only one king, and his name is Jesus, and his kingdom is coming. we got to live every day with the anticipation that his kingdom is coming, but his kingdom has been revealed in us, and it's being revealed day by day.
Does that make sense? His kingdom is coming, yes. But his kingdom has come in us, in the person of King Jesus. And he's reigning and ruling, not later. He will reign and rule later. But he's reigning and ruling right now today. And then the next thing is, the harvest can be abandoned or aborted. Jeremiah, like cuttings after the harvester, that no one shall gather them. Wouldn't it be sad if the harvest is wasted that God has intended for this hour? That would be the most, the, the most sad thing that you could ever imagine. And then there must be laborers, laborers. The problem is not with the harvest. The problem is with laborers. They're involved in so many things, but actually laboring, forgetting. Jesus Christ came to seek that which was lost. That was one of his primary reasons that he's come. I, uh, when you've been around a while, as I shared with you about this, I have another booklet. I don't have it with me, but I've kept it on my desk when you can find my desk. I'm literally, Shirley knows what I'm talking about. And I've got several desks, and one of them is down, you know, downstairs where I don't go a lot because it's just the humidity, and anyway, my dog sleeps in there at night, and anyway, it's dusty. I'm not going to go into detail, but you wouldn't go in there either, you know. But I go in there sometimes to try to retrieve things I'm looking for. And I've got other, I've got my best office is on the porch where I preach to Uganda, you know, and I get out there on the back porch. And I clean it up. I, I keep it neat. I bring it back downstairs. <laughs> we need to throw away all those books. We don't even use these books. People don't, I mean, anyway. How many of you have junk rooms you, you need to clean out from time to time? You know, it's just, it happens. Drawers that collect things. You look in there and maybe a snake or something. And you know, how did that get in here? But anyway, I, I have a little booklet. It's Why God Used D.L. Moody. And I reread it. Do you, do you have that? It's an amazing testimony. It was a message preached many years ago. And I'm not going to go through all the things, but he was, you know, a humble man. He was a man of devotion and prayer. He read the word daily. But something else, he made a commitment to the Lord that every day he would share his faith with someone. He would tell somebody about Jesus. Well, one day, D.L. Moody forgot to share his faith. He'd already gone to bed. He was about to go to sleep. The Holy Spirit quickened him. And he thought, now, surely, there's not going to be anybody out at this time of night. I'm just going to go back to sleep. Nobody's on the streets. But he could not go back to sleep, so he got up, went to the door. He got, you know, obviously got clothed first. He got to the door. He's ready to go out. It's late at night. He doesn't think anyone's going to be out there. And he was thinking, should he just go back to bed when all of a sudden, and it's raining. It's raining, pouring down raining. Not only did, is it late, it's raining cats and dogs. He didn't say that, but I can just imagine. Probably the worst storm they've had in a hundred years, you know. But he says, instead of turning around and going back, he heard, I guess they had cobblestone streets, but he heard a man walking on the streets. He could hear his, his feet. He could hear him walk, his shoes. So he 
quickly, opens the door and runs out. The man has an umbrella, so he runs under the umbrella. He says, may I share your umbrella with you? Well, certainly. Now, today, nobody would let you do that. Who are you? You creep big on, you know what I mean? But in that day, there was a little more trust in society. So he's sharing the umbrella. And then D.O. Moody looks at him and says, do you have a shelter? Do you have an eternal umbrella? Do you have a shelter from the coming times of storms? I want to share with you about my Savior. And before he could get out from under that umbrella, that man came to Jesus Christ. And he fulfilled his obligation. And he went to bed and slept like a baby, I'm sure. But thank God we've got to share our faith. He that wins souls is wise. We're all to do the work of an evangelist. All of us. All of it. We're not all evangelists. You don't have to be. I don't have a story. Then you don't know Jesus. If you know Jesus, you have a story. It may be. I was once, I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see I used to be rotten and dirty and stinky. Now, I'm actually, I take a bath from time to time. But I have a clean heart, and I can tell you how to get a clean heart for yourself. Does that make sense? So we want to be about it. We want to be the participants in this great end-time harvest of souls. And then the next thing, the harvest will soon come to an end. It's going to be over. Speaking of Billy Graham, Bobby, who's going to do this school of evangelism with us, he said he met Billy Graham on a plane years ago. I met him in a dream. It's a different story. I'll save that for another time. But Bobby met him in person, and uh, he said, Dr. Graham said, uh, whatever you address, Bobby, he said, you know, the fishermen have to be ready when the fish are about to bite. You got to be ready. And Bobby shared that with me. And there's going to come a day when the harvest will be over. And in Jeremiah, it says, The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. To me, that's one of the saddest scriptures in all the Bible. The summer's past, the harvest is ended, and we are not saved. You and I have got to do something about it. And that is the harvest is about eternity in John chapter 4, verse 36, where we read earlier, he that reaps is reaping for eternal life. And there's, uh, there's so much about eternity. You know, there's coming in eternity. Everyone watching, one, you're going into eternity. There's going to be a resurrection. Some will be resurrected into eternal life and others resurrected into eternal condemnation. And we have to tell the people, we're all, there is coming a day of judgment. And there won't be anyone by your side in that hour. You won't be able to call the media to come bail you out. You're going to stand before a holy God. He will be the only media that will matter. He will be the media that matters. And you will stand before him. But there can be forgiveness today. There can be a new beginning. It's not too late now. This is not eternity yet. I was putting all this together, and I thought again about Bob Jones and one of the encounters that he had. Well, I guess it's the same one about the billion so harvest. John, I don't know if you remember this. It may have been the same one, but he saw a moment in time when death had occurred on planet Earth. 
and uh, there were, he saw the number of people that were going into hell compared to those that were going into eternal life, into heaven. He said there were far more going into hell than there were going into heaven. And I think that was the same experience where he died, came back. It may have been a different one. But obviously, the Lord is concerned. And he had this incredible vision of a billion so harvest. Well, guess what? You and I get to be a part of that great final day. The harvest is about God's finished and finishing. Say, and finishing. And his finishing work, that involves you and me. Remember what Jesus said. Now, he said it's finished. Nothing more you can do. It's the cross. You preach the cross. The cross is the bridge to salvation. But he said, as the Father sent me, so now I'm sending you. I believe with all my heart, and I've said this from time to time, but I believe there's going to be a shout from the earth From the church on the earth, before it's all said and done, the church is going to say, it is finished. We have done what the master called us to do. He called us, he anointed us, and we've done it. As God has sent me, even so, I'm sending you. And now, it's called our turn to share this glorious gospel. Now, here's what I felt like we were to do today. I'm praying, and God, and God gave my wife, she always gives so many things when we're spending time having coffee in the mornings or wherever it is. But this morning, she said catalyst, the word catalyst. So I'm praying this message. Now, it's not because of who preached it. It's just the word of God. The word of God, he said, when the word is preached, it will accomplish for what I've, the purpose for which I send it. My prayer is it will be a catalyst that will ignite. It will be like the keys and one key I'm asking for, for two of them. One for Israel and one for America. Now, I believe they're keys for every nation. But because we're in this season of time, I'm asking for both of those keys to be released and to be loosed into the hearts of the people of Israel and the people of America. And those keys would unlock the hearts and conviction will come and a harvest will spring out of the earth that will give testimony to the glory and the redemption of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So that's what I'm going to pray. But then I want to pray that all of us, there'll be a fresh passion for souls. Is that okay? God gives us that. Because if you're like me, you can just go your own way, get so much involved in all the things that are happening, and forget all about the guys laying on the bench and the guy that was buying beer the night before in a store when I went up to him. And he said, you came to me because I'm buying these beers. I said, no, sir. I'm not coming to you because you're buying beer. He'll clean you up. I'm coming to you because of your heart. God looks at your heart. He's not looking at this. He's looking at your heart, my friend. I'm telling you, this is the hour. To be bold, we got to implore them. As if God were pleading through us, be reconciled to God. And there's only one way, and that's through Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask God to turn up that fire in all of us. Is that okay? If you want it. Now, if you don't want it, you don't have to shine 
like the righteous in the firmament, turning many to righteousness. I'm going to be one of those that shine. And if that's you, I want you to stand and I'm going to pray. You go ahead and, and I'm just going to pray release on how many of you say, this is me, I want this. I want, I want a fresh passion for souls. You know, if there's one thing that Spirit-filled movement did, and we're so grateful, bringing us into the anointing and the and filling and the gifts. Thank God for prophetic evangelism. Jesus gave us the model there in John chapter 4 with the woman at the well. But listen, the greatest, the tool was, was not just to demonstrate the prophetic. That was a tool to tell her about her five husbands to lead her to faith in Jesus, that he was the Messiah. That's, I think, where the Messianic movement probably began. Because she went and told, come and see a man. All that told me, every, any, everything I've ever done. So, Lord, I'm asking right now that, God, you stir in our hearts a fresh passion for souls. Lord, what if, what if Ian had some mischief in mind, but he was interrupted because Jesus came into his heart? I don't know that story, Lord. All I know is a lot of people need Jesus in a, in a short amount of time. And God, I pray that you'll not only unlock their hearts in America, that you not only would you unlock the hearts of the precious people in Israel that we're interceding, crying out for in this hour, but God, you would unlock the hearts of people all over the world, in nations all over the earth, those that are watching this message. I declare in Jesus' name that they have the keys, too, that will unlock the hearts of even the most hardened people that have resisted God up until this hour. And Lord, I pray for the conviction, the convicting power that's been present at times in our nation. It's been present in glorious times all over the earth. Lord, I believe we're sitting on the verge of a jubilee harvest. And I ask you, God, use us. Here we are, send us. Now you make that surrender. Just say, here am I, send me. And I pray for the anointing, the anointing that draws the lost, that sets the captives free, that convicts the sinner and brings the son into focus that the Son of God would receive the reward of His suffering through every person. Lord, Lord, those watching, and we thank you, we believe you for it. Now I'm going to just pray, if you're watching online or you're in this room, you've never surrendered to Jesus, this is the day of salvation, and I'm just going to lead you in a prayer, but you've got to make this your own prayer. You have to be calling out to Him. The Holy Spirit draws us, and uh, so don't resist the Holy Spirit. Come to him, call upon him while he's near. And so just say, dear God, I need you. I believe in Jesus, your son. I confess my need of a savior. I recognize my sin and I ask you to forgive me. I choose to turn from my own way and I turn to you and I make you the only way. My only way. And I thank you for the shed blood of Jesus that cleanses me of all unrighteousness. I receive you by faith. You said if those who confess you with their mouth 
and they believe in their heart that God has raised his son from the dead, they shall be saved. So I thank you for salvation. Now fill me with the Holy Spirit and fire. Loose every gift of the Holy Spirit in me. And set me ablaze in this final hour to be a harvester among the nations. I just see right now, I don't know who's going to watch this later on, but God's calling you to nations. And you say, well, how will that be? I'm telling you, in this day, God will make it happen. You say yes to him. The doors will open wide. How will I get there? I don't know. Probably supernaturally. But you're going to get there. So I declare open doors. Open doors. In the name of Jesus among the nations. Father, I thank you. This is the hour, the final great advancement and proclamation of the gospel of the kingdom. In every nation on the face of the earth, And the final testimony will be, and the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. He is the God that reigns and rules over them all. And we thank you, Lord. And Lord, I pray for miracles. How many of you need a miracle this morning? You need a miracle healing? Okay, so Lord, touch people. You saw them right now. We need miracles. You just make your request. So Lord, we're making our requests known to the Lord. We thank you. We already sung the song about you're the God of miracles. So right now, we draw near to you. We resist. We break. We bind. We rebuke every spirit of infirmity and disease in Jesus' name. Because of the shed blood of Jesus, the redemption, his resurrection, we cancel every assignment. We curse every curse. And we release the blessing and the righteousness of God and the power of healing and deliverance Lord let deliverance come Lord I want to see what we see in Africa on video start bringing the possessed in this room we can handle it so they'll get set free we're not going to get upset loose the oppressed let the captives be set free by the power of Jesus drug addictions we break them in Jesus name violence We break in Jesus' name. Evil intentions. God, we ask you to reverse them. We ask you to intervene. Send warring angels into the camps of evil. Lord, we know our nation's being invaded. We ask you for an invasion of the the heavens. The Lord of hosts invade our land to dispel the works of darkness, to undermine what has been on, what tried to undermine, bring the glory. Bring your kingdom. Bring your peace. In the name of Jesus. Lord, we ask for divine arrest this week. Okay, are you guys with me? Any two agrees touching anything? A lot of the, a lot of the law enforcement has grown corrupt. Have you noticed? A lot of them are chicken. Not chicken. I don't mean it that way. No, I do mean it that way. Jesus said, you don't, you don't apologize. The first place in hell will be for the cowards. Some of you know, you see the evil going on. And you know you're, you have a corrupt administration, whatever it is. I don't know how to work out. You say, well, if I go after this, there may be some corrupt judge. Leave it up to the God who's the judge of all. You go do your will. Go your job. Do the Father's will. That's all I'm going to tell you. Do God's will. 
you might be surprised what God will do for you. He's the ultimate judge. How many of you know that? He's the final, he's the supreme court of the land. Final authority. There's no greater, no, none higher. So you just obey the Lord. But I pray that. And I pray this week, God, there'll be arrests that will be made that we'll read about in the papers. Some of them won't want to report it. What's new? But let it be reported anyway. What God has done, the God of justice in our nation, we declare it in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, if we're your sons, we believe we have authority. You said, I give you authority to trample upon scorpions and serpents and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means harm you. So with the authority of Jesus, we declare the gavel and the justice of God will fall in recognizable ways this week that will be reported that what our God has done because of the church of Jesus Christ. We thank you those keys not only unlock, they also lock. So we lock the doors of hell and darkness and every demon in Jesus' name.